you for listening to Sozo Church in Spokane, Washington. For more information on Sozo Church, visit sozospokane.com. Sozo Church. Amen, amen. Good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing this morning? Awesome. It is good to have you all here with us this morning. Uh, my name is Mark. My wife and I serve as the lead pastors here. Thanks for coming and hanging out with us. Um, it's been kind of a, a week here at Sozo, hasn't it? Yes, it has. We've, uh, we've got some people sick. We've got some people in the hospital, so we want to just encourage you to be praying for them. Um, believe in God to to do what He does, which is respond when we pray. Amen. So uh, we're gonna we're gonna continue to stand and believe God to do the impossible. Uh, real fast, I know it was mentioned in the video, uh, but I just want to make sure you guys know who we're talking about here. I'm gonna ask the Morrises if y'all will just embarrass yourselves by standing up real fast. Uh, this these are the Morrises. Give it up for them real fast. Come on. Um, if you've got a chance to meet them, uh, th- these are these are the kind of crazy people that I like to talk about. Um, these are these are two uh, amazing uh, people who felt a call of God to go and preach the gospel to people who've never heard it before. And here's the deal: they felt that call, and they actually went and did it. And so they have they've about how long have you guys been over there? Almost ten years, eight years. Uh, they moved over to Tanzania and are reaching a unreached people group. So this is this is like your friends on Facebook. They've never heard the gospel before. No, these are like genuinely. Uh, people that that there are no other believers in these villages that they are reaching out to, and and the Lord's just done an amazing thing in bringing uh, us together, uh, the Morrises and Sozo Church, and uh, we are very excited uh, to be able to send them out, to be able to partner with them, and to um, and to just be a part of what they are doing there in Tanzania. And so, if you're interested in learning about what they're doing and and hearing a little bit more about it, I believe it's this Wednesday. Is that correct? This Wednesday. Uh, here at the church, we're going to be doing uh, just a, a meeting with them. You're going to be able to watch a video, hear about what they're doing, and uh, pray about and, and see how the Lord might be asking you to partner with that as well. So we're excited about that. We're super pumped. We'll be sending them out very soon because they're heading back uh, to do the work of the ministry. And so we'll be, we'll be laying hands on them and sending them out as a church very, very soon. But I uh, wanted to introduce you to them and give you an opportunity to hear about all that God is doing there. Uh, let's go ahead and jump into the Word. We've got quite a bit to, to cover this morning. Uh, we're back in the Gospel of John. I want to thank my friend Van, who was able to cover last week. How many of you guys were here and able to hear Pastor Van bring the Word last week? Did a phenomenal job. Um, I, I, was, I had been exposed, so I kind of stayed at home just to, be, just to be safe. And I love having friends like Van. I, I'm not exaggerating when I say this. Um, I called Van, I think, at about 3 o'clock on Saturday. And he was able to step in and cover uh, for us. So it's good to have good friends. Amen? It's good to have good friends. I, I, was, I was with you all, even though I wasn't with you all, because I was watching through that wonderful camera that we all love so much. Um, so John chapter 13, uh, we're going to get to a new portion this morning, but we're actually going to be tying up kind of where we've been uh, the last time we were together. So John chapter 13, if you got your Bibles, we're going to start in verse 12. Uh, let's go ahead and stand for the reading of God's Word. We love the Bible, amen? No, nah, no. Nah. 
We love the Bible, amen? Same. John chapter 13, uh, picking it up in verse 12. It says, when he had washed the feet, when he washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Now let's go ahead and jump ahead to to verse 34. These these sort of tie together, and I want to make sure that we we sort of uh, process them as as they are and as they're connected, as they're related to one another. So verse 34, it says, Jesus is still speaking, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you, You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Church, let's pray together this morning. Holy Spirit, we thank you this morning for your word. God, thank you that your word is living and active, not dead and passive. Thank you that your word is, is for us and to us. God, thank you that it is, a, it is a light that illuminates our path, that we are not left to, 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 to search and to be scattered, but rather, God, by your word, by the lamp that it is to our feet, we are able to walk even in the midst of confusion, even in the midst of contradictory statements in the world around us. We can find the truth and we can walk and live in it by your grace and for your glory, Lord. And so we ask that you would just come and you would speak to us, that you would breathe life upon your word, that you would breathe life upon uh, these, these, these words on this page, would come alive in our hearing by the power of you, Holy Spirit. We give room to you. We make a request of you to come and to speak to us. God, that in hearing your word, we would receive your word and allow it to change the way we think, allow it to confront falsehood in our thinking, allow it to confront error in the way that we process or perceive reality. And Lord, it would transform us that we would be doers of your word and not just hearers only. In Jesus' name. Everybody said? Come on, everybody said? Go ahead and high five or elbow bump somebody real fast around you and grab a seat. Amen, amen. If you're taking notes this morning, and I hope you are, um, just want to talk briefly this morning under the title, How to Be His. How to Be His. I, I think I've shared this possibly here before when, when talking about the Gospel of John. Um, it's interesting when you start studying the life of, the, uh, of, the, of John the Beloved. One of, the, uh, one of the, the stories that we come across as we do this is, is uh, as many of you maybe remember, we talked about this a little bit. John uh, served as the apostle, the overseer, kind of the, the 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 head pastor of the church in Ephesus for many years. 
And John, we, we know Jesus actually says this in the Gospels. We know from the historical records that this is true, that John was the last living apostle, that he outlived all the other apostles. And there's an account of the last sermon that John ever preached. It's in the church in Ephesus. He's an old man at this point, a frail old man at this point. He's been persecuted. He's been beaten. He's gone through much difficulty, and, 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 and the church actually has to carry him in. He's, he's living literally uh, laid out on his bed, and they carry him into the church service. And in the midst of what historically we believe was a communion service, the Lord's Supper, they ask John, they say, hey, would you, would you maybe share a little bit? Would you... Preach to us one last time. And after carrying him in and setting him in front of the church, John the Beloved simply says, Dear children, love one another. And that's the entirety of his sermon. And one of the leaders sort of, sort of comes to him afterwards and, and says, Hey, hey, you know. John, that was great, but I, I think we've heard that. I think we've got that. Maybe you could, maybe you could share something else with us. And John the Beloved simply looks at him and says, if you really understood that, if you really were able to grasp that, you would understand that there is nothing else to grasp when it comes to our understanding of the church. John there, I believe, was echoing the, the last teaching that he heard his rabbi say. As Jesus has, has gone through this whole process we've talked about of, of, of washing his disciples' feet, we saw that Jesus has, has, has demonstrated perfectly how Jesus loved, how Jesus served, and how Jesus was humble. You remember this? We've, we've talked about this over the last several weeks when we've been together. We've looked at how Jesus was motivated by his affection, that his affections led to his actions, and his actions were necessitated by his arrival. We've seen that we are the objects of divine affection. That's a good place for Christians to say amen. You are loved by God. That you are the, 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 you are the personal object of God's love. Jesus was motivated in his feet washing, not, listen to me, not because their feet were dirty, but because he loved them. Did they need their feet washed? Absolutely. Absolutely. But according to the Gospel of John, the motivating factor for Jesus washing their feet, it says he loved them till the end. Jesus loved. This love was not just a, an emotion, but it produced an action that his serving was motivated by his loving. And we saw how he did this not from a place of prominence, not from a place of, of power and authority, but from a place of humility. He humbled himself. But then Jesus here, now when it's all said and done, when this is all over with, when, we, when, we've, when we've already seen the, the, the actions of Jesus and the attitude of Jesus and the posture of Jesus, he then stops and he tries to point out to them. He resumes his place at the head of the table. And Jesus says that he was giving them an example to follow. That he wasn't simply serving them just to serve them. Come on, that, that's a good thing. Amen? Jesus serving them was an amazing act. But what he says is, you need to remember, guys, I am your rabbi. And as we've learned, right, rabbis had disciples who followed them. 
That the purpose of being a disciple was to be with your rabbi so that you could be like your rabbi. And so Jesus stops and says, don't think for a moment that all I was doing was trying to do some, some show, put on some act, do some sort of grand you know, thing so that you could just stand in awe of how awesome I am. Do we stand in awe of how awesome Jesus is? Absolutely. Does his action demonstrate his attitude? Does his action demonstrate his character? Yes. But Jesus in this moment is saying, guys, listen. I did this so that you would do this. I'm showing you how it is you're supposed to behave with one another. He gave them an example to follow. He was still their rabbi. But then he seems to kind of be expanding this beyond just an example to follow, what he's saying is that his love is to be their new standard. It wasn't enough for Jesus to simply be able to say, hey, you should love one another. Could Jesus have simply said, hey, love one another? Absolutely. And yet what he was trying to do is say, you need to understand that there, there is a standard by which you need to be able to, 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 to measure, to, to evaluate this kind of love. I think Jesus saw the day coming that we live in. Because love is a weird word in English, is it not? You love your children, and you love cheeseburgers. Hopefully not in the same way. We just throw out the word love all over the place. And so what Jesus is doing is saying, no, no, if we're going to say love, that word has to have meaning. That word has to have a standard, something to measure it against. Because we can just throw, yeah, yeah, sure, I, I love everybody. But Jesus is saying, no, no, no you, you need to understand that there's a standard by which you need to gauge that love. There needs to be an external way, let me put it this way, to evaluate love. What Jesus is ultimately saying is you cannot claim to love one another if you do not love one another the way that I've shown you to love one another. Anything less than loving and serving in humility, Jesus is saying, falls short of, is lacking, is less than what it is that God has called us to do for one another. We are to love one another by the standard by which he has set. But then Jesus takes this and pushes it into a place that if I'm going to just be totally transparent with you, as I studied this out, made me uncomfortable. Because he doesn't just say he has a new standard. Jesus calls his new standard his new commandment. We, I don't like being commanded. I am a free American. Like, I, you don't get to com command? 
we don't like the word command. You don't, you don't hear command a whole lot anymore. We don't, we don't respond well, come on, in the Western American culture with the idea of commandments. We, we want to be invited into things. I just want to invite you to love one another. Hey, I can respond well to that. Thank you. Thanks for the invitation, Jesus. But no, 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 he doesn't say, he doesn't just say that this is the new standard, this is the new measuring rod, this is the, no, he says that, that I'm commanding you to do that. But here's what we need to realize, beloved. We are not, see, we are not just disciples following a rabbi. Is that, is that part of, is that an element of our relationship with Jesus? Absolutely. Is that an appropriate way to describe our relationship to Jesus? Yes, there's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing, there's nothing in error about it. But what I need us to realize and what we, will, what we will always struggle with if we don't understand this is that he is not simply our rabbi and we are his disciples. He is our king. You see, we, we like the idea it's sort of trendy right now to say that I'm a disciple of Jesus. That's cool in the church. We're just, you know, he's our, like our rabbi, and like we're just trying to be like Jesus. But beloved, we need to be careful lest we forget that he is king. And we'll push back at the idea of a rabbi commanding us. But when we understand that he is our king, our only rightful response to his command is to bow our knee in submission and obedience. Jesus is well within his rights to issue us a commandment. I don't want us to miss this. I don't want us to skip over this. I know it's not comfortable. Hello, somebody. Because here's the, here's the reality. There are times, no, that's not true. There are moments and, and, and people that I have no problem loving. And then there are other moments and other people that I don't want to love. I know y'all are all way better Christians than me, so none of y'all struggle with this. This is just confessions of a pastor, right? This is just, this is just if, if I was half as spiritual as y'all, we'd have no problems left in the whole world, right? But, but there, there are moments where I don't feel like it. And yet, as my king, his commandment does not alter, does not shift, does not bend to my momentary feelings. His command stands firm. See, what I fear is this, that in the humility that Jesus walks in, especially seen through the Gospel of John, that in that intense humility, we leave room for our ego to rise up and forget his supremacy. Because Jesus, right, Jesus just stripped down and wrapped himself in a towel and is washing their feet. And it's, so it's easy to see him in his humility and forget 
that that humble man is your king. And so when he rises back up, sits back at the head of the table and says, I'm giving you a new commandment, it needs to, it needs to hit us with all the weight of a king commanding us. Let me just say it one more time so we get it clear as, as I can. This is not optional for us. This is the commandment of our king and of our God. But there's one other element to this that that if I'm gonna if I'm gonna let myself actually read the Bible and not just sort of glaze over it, there's one other piece of this new commandment that seems to not really jive on a on a simple reading, and that is. Is this really a new commandment? Jesus says, a new commandment I give you. And I kind of go, Jesus, do you have amnesia? You've been telling us to love one another the whole time. Mark chapter 12, verse 31 tells us to love your neighbor as yourself. Luke 6, 27-28 says to love your enemies to do good to those who hate you and to pray for those who persecute you. Matthew 7:12 is is the golden rule, right? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. It's like, "Hey Jesus, you already told us to love one another." So how is it that this is a new commandment? How is this thing new? Jesus, did you just did you like I know you've been busy lately? Maybe you forgot the other sermons that you taught because you already told us to love each other. And yet right now at the, at the, at the, at the last sort of private meeting that he's going to have with his disciples, this seems to be the thing not only that he feels, he feels it's important to emphasize, but something that he claims is new. I believe the reason why Jesus says that this commandment to love one another is a new commandment is because not only, listen, not only does he say that he has, his love is the new standard, but the Jesus' love is the new substance we are to love one another with. See, before you were supposed to love, love your neighbor, right? L- love those around you. Right before even you were supposed to love your enemies and those who do wrong to you, Jesus says, no, you should still, you should still respond in love. Jesus even says there's a golden rule, right? This golden, we call it the golden rule. Jesus never called it the golden rule, but this golden rule to, to do unto others as you would have them do unto you. This, this seems like a pretty good standard. And Jesus says, no, my love is the standard. But not only is my love the standard, what he literally says is that you're supposed to love one another with my love. That's new. That's that's scandalous. Because you see, his love is the new standard we are called to love by, but it is also the new substance we are called to love with. This is why, this is why they could not bear this commandment until right now. 
See, before he could tell them, you need to love one another. You, <clears throat> you, need to, you need to be kind to one another. You need to serve one another. You need to do unto others as you would have them to do unto you. But now, he says, you have become a recipient of my divine affection. I have, I have given to you a new substance to, for which you can love one another. Prior to this moment, I, I, I want to say prior to this very moment, it would have been impossible for them to fulfill this commandment. But now he says, I can give you a new commandment. Because there's now something abiding within you that you are not just supposed to be a container for, but a conduit of. He's telling them, I didn't just love you and serve you and humble myself for you just for you. I did it so that you can now be qualified to love with a new kind of love. It's the goldener rule. It's more gold than platinum? Is it the platinum rule? I don't know. To love one another, not just the way you want to be loved, but the way you have been loved by him. That's a standard I can't meet. But Jesus says, love one another just as I have loved you. I'm giving you what you need to love one another with. Jesus loves you and you have to know that you have to experience that. You have to encounter that. You have to have the, the, the exchange of that. Because there's a commandment on your life as a follower of Jesus to have that kind of love for those that God has put in your life. And without it, you will fail. And Jesus goes on to say that not only is this commandment a commandment for us, but that he says that when we love like Jesus, we prove we belong to Jesus. By this, he says, by this, by you loving with the, with the standard and with the substance of my love, when you love one another like that, the whole world will know you are my disciples. We do not believe that at all. We think right theology proves that we're his disciples. We think good behavior proves that we're his disciples. We think signs, wonders, and miracles prove that we're his disciples. We think success and prosperity prove that we're his disciples. We think big churches and fancy cars prove that we're his disciples. And Jesus says, none of that is going to convince the world. But y'all, not just loving one another, but loving one another with a foreign substance. Loving one another beyond your capacity to love one another. 
Again, I, I, we've touched on this. Jesus washed Judas's feet. That's the kind of love we're talking about loving one another with. Not, not only loving one another with a love that, that is aware that someone might hurt us and might betray us and might let us down, but loving one another with a love when we know that they will. That's a divine love. I just, I just, I just want to talk as a pastor for a second. Just try to take off the, the mask for just a moment. Bust down the wall for a second. And just say this, perhaps, just perhaps, just maybe. The world has failed to see the light that the church is because we have failed to love the way we've been called to, and commanded to love. I mean, maybe, just maybe, Jesus is telling the truth that this is the way he's going to, he's going to let everybody know that we belong to him. And maybe, just maybe, the world has questioned whether or not we really belong to him because we have failed to love by the standard and to love by the substance of Jesus. I mean, just maybe. Just maybe. We've, we've, we've tried to, to use every other marketing tactic in the world instead of just going, hey, what if we just, I don't know, did what Jesus said? Loved one another. Well, I would just, could we just get a bouncy house instead? What if, what if we got laser lights and smoke machines? Look, either... Either we failed to do this or Jesus was wrong. Those, those, can, those, to me, are the only options we have in front of us. Either we haven't really loved one another to the degree necessary. I'm not saying we haven't dabbled in it. But we, we've, we've talked about this before. I think this is one of those boiling water situations. You remember this? We talked about this before. That, that, that the difference between, between scalding water and boiling water is one degree. 211 degree water won't do anything, but 212 degree water can make a train move. You see, I think this is one of those situations where we fail to realize that there is a degree to which we have to experience his love, come on church, in order for us to be able to be conduits of that love. Maybe we fail to love one another that way because we fail to believe we are loved that way. 
Maybe I fail to love you the way that I'm called to love you because somewhere deep down inside me, I've still not yet been convinced that I belong to him. That I still believe my behavior more than I believe what he says about me. That I fail to abide in that kind of love. And therefore I fail to be a conduit of that kind of love. And we say things like, no, 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 I've, I've tried that before and it didn't work. Have we tried it or have we tried 185 degree water? 203 degree water. See how water doesn't work. See, Jesus was wrong. Loving one another doesn't work. Just get the bouncy houses. Just get the laser shows. I know what we need. We just need to fill up an arena full of people and get a really good preacher to come in and preach the gospel, and that'll change Spokane. We want to do that because that's easier than loving each other. It's just flat out is. And it, it, <laughs> it feels better to just do that. But to just live with one another, put up with one another, and love one another, and forgive one another. I'm, I'm just, I just, we've already gone down this road, let's just be friends still. Um, you don't have a Judas, but if you did, you'd still have to love him too. Love one another just as I have loved you. I don't see another option, church. So here's my question. Here's my pastoral moment here. How are you engaging with the love of Jesus? Are you avoiding it? Are you arguing with it? Are you pretending like, it's, sure, it's there, but I don't really need to engage with that? Or are you abiding in it? I think what we need is to so abide in his love, to so rest in him, that we cannot help but be conduits of that love. That we can't help but let that love overflow in everything that we do. Maybe, just maybe, church, the world isn't looking for people that have all their stuff together. Maybe, just maybe, church, Jesus was right and the world is just looking for people who actually love with a love that's beyond their capacity.